Welcome to the penultimate episode nine of season two, Chronicles of UK Salafism, an insider perspective. This particular episode shall focus on the year 2008. And I'd like to begin by reviewing the response among Salafi communities to the continued focus by academics and media regarding Salafi communities and the ideology they espoused. And very few entities amongst these communities were consistent in producing literature, um, academic or otherwise, to counter these narratives that were quite stifling and were building a particular picture, an adverse negative picture of Salafism. These few entities that were actually consistent, I will refer to now, and there was one in particular, SalafiManhaj.com, that were not only active and continue to be active in producing translations and works of their own, but they gained wider um, recognition amongst society, academic society and ordinary lay people um, due to the nature of their work and the timeliness of it. So, for example, one such work translated by SalafiManhaj.com of Sheikh Saleh ibn Abdulaziz al-Sheikh's work, A Warning Against Extremism, was published by my organisation, Street, at the beginning of 2008. And as we were funded at the time by the Home Office, this gained wider attention across the UK, particularly those who were um, engaged in combating violent extremism. And then we saw on the 24th of February an excellent um, academic work from Salafi Manhaj entitled The Devil's Deception of Sheikh Faisal, Abdullah El Faisal. And this continues to be referenced by academics today, both Muslim and non-Muslim. I myself referred extensively to it in my PhD studies from 10 years ago. And the previous work of theirs on the tale of um, 2007 was produced the 25th of December, and that was entitled Refutation of Takfir, a translated works of Sheikh Abdulaziz Arais. And continuing with this, even today, very few academic works have been published from amongst the Salafi communities in the West. And this is problematic because the overwhelming narrative, therefore, is that of outsiders. And we've seen, and everyone is familiar now with terms Salafi jihadi, Salafi politicos, Salafi purist or quietist. And the, the origin of that typology was from an academic, Quinton Witorovic, who is known to myself and other colleagues as when he visited the UK and resided for a time, he met a number of community members and different um, communities, Salafi and non-Salafi. And in some of my personal discussions with him, we engaged regarding his typology. And I was um, happy to see that he understood and took on board my um, rejection of this typology, stating that what he had done was conflated the Khariji ideology, the Takfiris, and the Ikhwani Muslimin ideology, Muslim Brotherhood, 
with Salafis. When in actuality, according to what he was researching and his data, the Salafi politicos were none other than Muslim Brotherhood. Salafi jihadi was none other than the Kharaji Takfiri ideology. And Salafi purists or Salafi quietists were none other than the Salafi um, communities. However, I conceded and we have to accept that the Salafi movement is not homogenous. You've got the cults who I've referred to throughout and you've got other elements that have different positioning, be it uh, with some political persuasions, um, some liberal persuasions, um, as it were. And that narrative has become predominant, and I would say in part because the Salafi communities have not come forward academically or socially, socio-politically, socio-culturally, socio-religiously to provide enough literature to counter the current position regarding Salafism in the UK and the West generally. There are some works out there. Um, Khalid Green has produced a master's many years ago and recently completed a PhD on um, Salafia and the elements of Salafia. It's very good PhD studies, which we hope can be published. But those amongst Salafi communities focusing on this subject are few and far between. I'll move on and refer to my first academic publication as a PhD candidate that was published in 2008, September of that year. And it was entitled A View From Inside and produced by the Centre for Crime and Justice Studies, Crime Matters Edition, issue 73. And um, uh, I've reprodu reproduced that on my website um, so anyone interested in referencing that will be able to see that article there. And this takes me to the next stage of considering non-Salafi academic publications. I can refer to some that I've just pulled off my shelf. Uh, for Meha, the editor for Global Salafism, produced by Hearst Publications. I've got one here from Susan Olson, entitled Contemporary Puritan Salafism. There's a publication here um, by Henri Lozier, The Making of Salafism, Islamic Reform in the 20th Century. I referred in the previous episode to uh, Annabelle Inge's The Making of a Salafi Muslim Woman. There's Sadiq Hamid, Sufis, Salafis and Islamists. There, I could go on pulling books from my shelf and referring online to the plethora of academic literature and publications about Salafism. But when seeking Salafi authorship, it's very difficult to find. And one of the reasons for that and this is uh, contentious for some, but I think needs to be pointed out, is that elements within the Salafi community, very vociferous elements, were more focused on and continue to be focused on the internecine disputes of scholars three and a half thousand miles away in the Middle East, who, whose issues do not remotely affect the societal issues that we are facing in the West. And if they do, it's microcosmic. 
However, these elements within the Salafi communities have made them the major issues. And what you will find has been a trend and pattern um, since the 90s, late 90s, is that communities and individuals are more concerned at being condemned from the mouths of scholars that they respect and um, uh, refer to than anything else. And this has meant that a culture, a very toxic, negative culture, has developed amongst Salafi communities, whereby those who have the ear of such scholars can browbeat and coerce others to adhere to their methodologies and their strategies and plans and machinations even, or else face the threat and the subsequent wrath and condemnation of a scholar who they've managed to go and sully the reputation of those individuals, those communities, those entities with. And this is similar. This internecine um, focus is similar or akin to what we witnessed amongst many of the South Asian communities um, in the 70s and 80s with the, the Badiri, I think if I'm pronouncing it correctly, their cultural um, disputes that were emanated and firmly entrenched back in Pakistan, Bangladesh um, and their villages and cities there. But those disputes continued to cause marginalisation and divisions in the UK. And we see a similar trend, a parallel pattern amongst some Salafi communities today. And I believe it's just an emulation or a morphing of that Badiri culture, clan um, disputes from the Indo-Pak subcontinent, but now it's more of a contemporary um, Western stroke Middle Eastern um, context amongst the Salafi communities. And I want to quote an excerpt from a book that was edited by Aftab Ahmed Malik. Um, the book's entitled, The State We Are In, Identity, Terror, and the Law of Jihad. And this would emphasize that att attitude that I'm highlighting, that trend that is there amongst Salafi communities today. Quote, after 7-7, as after 9-11, the problems of our various communities are held to be our own. And these are problems of cultural backwardness, close quote. And the knee-jerk response from any one of these communities, and generally Muslims, when they hear this term backwardness attributed to them, to their practice, not the practice of Islam, to their practice, to their understandings of social issues, is that, this is an attack on Islam. This is an attack on the Sunnah. Um, uh, we're, we're accusing these elements of um, using or following Islam in a backward manner, and therefore we are accusing Islam of being backward. And this could not be further from the truth. We are referring to the very simplistic, unsophisticated, rudimentary understanding and subsequent application of the religion within the 20th century at the time and now 21st century context within which we live. And as we all know, that Islam is for every age, every society, every time. 
and the contextualization of the religion is what is important in these various eras that I've just referred to. So continuing, I want to refer now to a particular researcher's observations on Salafism. And again, it's from uh, now Dr. Annabel Inge, but it was her master's um, degree at Sowas University and its publication on the 15th of September of 2008. And I think that as a neutral academic, she's not Muslim, she's done extensive research, very emphatic and effective research, where she's spoken to various Salafi communities. Um, her words, therefore, have some import. They have some weight. She refers to the history of Salafism in the UK and discusses Abu Khadijah's and the cult splitting from Jimas. I'm using the term cult, she doesn't say that. Quoting her, Abu Khadijah and those aligned with him were deeply uneasy with Jamas's support of the jihad in Bosnia because they felt that this stance was rooted in principles that were alien to Salafia. That's page 18 of her master's degree. This is duplicitous on the part of Abu Khadijah because during the Bosnian um, war, the Balkans conflict, he wasn't even Salafi. And his brother, who was a part of Jamas, had appealed to colleagues, members, fellow members of Jamas, to come and speak to him and advise him and give him dawah because of his jihadi inclinations. In fact, his then wife was married from Bosnia. She was from Bosnia, Um Khadija. Um, so really, in essence, for this to be one of his observations, and him knowing that he was not Salafi at the time and was in fact on a jihadi inclination is a duplicitous position to actually um, hold. But moving on from that, with regards to Bosnia, there was knowledge of one of Sheikh Uthaymin's students pr being present there. And this was seen as a tacit endorsement of the Sheikh regarding the student and others traveling for a defensive jihad as well as other charitable causes. And um, I hasten to add at this point that Abu Khadija's work then, when he was uh, non-Salafi, was humanitarian. Um, he did not go out there to fight. Continuing with Annabel Inge's um, observations in her master's research, quote, Salafi publications has maintained its exclusivist stance to this day. For example, an eight-page document available on its portal websites devotes 10 pages to listing and summarising those Muslim individuals and groups in Britain who have, quote, gone astray, close quote, and end of her quote. She then quotes from an interview with me um, in which she states, according to Abdelhak Baker, former chairman of the Salafi Mosque in Brixton, South London, which is attended by an estimated more than 1,500 Muslims, Salafi publications overzealousness and insular approach has been responsible for considerable divisions among Salafis and the wider Muslim community in Britain. And then she quotes me directly. In my opinion, they have to an extent contributed to the bad reputation that the Salafis have in the UK. End of quote. Again, that's on page 19 of her master's degree. And I still hold that to be true in 2020. 
Moving to the final aspects of this particular episode, I will refer to a few events um, that I was involved in during that year. And in January, I attended a Demos, GFF and UK Cabinet Office conference in Oxford um, that dealt with responding to radicalisation um, and the events um, emanating from that. Also in October, I participated in a Welsh Assembly event, um, lectures and training, and the title of this particular um, one was The Emergence of Extremism at a Localised Level and Effectively Countering Narratives. That was held in Cymru, Wales. And Street was gaining momentum and expanding its work during 2008. And in July of that year, um, my team produced a deconstruct template of one of the Sahab videos, that was 22 pages, in which the focus was upon theological strands as well as media elements and combating and countering and providing an alternative narrative to the propaganda contained in those videos. In August, we produced a 27-page deconstruction of another Sahab video relating to the 7-7 attacks. Those who saw that would remember the beginning of that particular propaganda video with a simulation of a train driving into, uh, underground train driving into a tunnel and exploding. December that year, we produced a third deconstruct um, template, again for a Sahab video. This was 24 pages and addressed the 9-11 attacks and the propaganda that emanated from that video. And the academic input around the deconstruct templates was that we had a former student from uh, Medina, two actually, uh, Medina University, who would be looking at the theological components. We also had an academic among us who studied um, he, um, I think it was East London, University of East London, but he completed his MA in Islamic Studies, focusing on the development and implementation of a deconstruct approach. And he was, an award, he was awarded a distinction as a result of that master's. So the deconstruct had comprehensive religious, theological and academic elements to it, making it successful when sitting and engaging with vulnerable individuals who had been looking at particular videos like these the team had to be conversant with these deconstruct templates they were not placed on a table and gone through systematically they were actually memorized studied and understood in order to combat combat minute by minute in real time this um sahab extremist propaganda as and when it was being viewed by the vulnerable young men who were looking at it or women and the street team member and streets organization was divided into particular work streams i developed four work streams in which young people could engage at will one of them was the outreach work stream in which sports and outdoor excursions and pursuits took place. The second one was our youth centre base in which I developed a programme called Peer Audio Visual Engagement, which PAVE in short, where they could watch particular documentaries, non-extreme obviously, but of various um, uh, topics and discuss them 
at various levels. Um, there were other recreational activities in this youth base. Educational, religious and academic instruction was there as well as prof professional development. And the third work stream was a counselling work stream. We worked with some local agencies as well as taking self-referrals, individuals who wanted to come and speak in a safe space in confidence, in confidence with members of the street team. And then the fourth work stream was the deconstruct counter rad um, work stream, which I've just uh, um, referred to, and that involved online work as well. And I will conclude this particular episode by referring to some of the endorsements that we got from local agencies, local partners, as well as Muslims who engaged with the street programme. And one letter I have here, which was written to uh, the representative at the Home Office at the time. This is dated the 19th of May, and it states here, quote, I am writing this letter by way of an endorsement of the street organisation. To date, they have taken 24 referrals for intervention. I would describe these referrals as the most problematic to deal with, as most are almost exclusively young men who have converted to Islam and tend to lead chaotic lifestyles. This therefore poses the question of how you engage a person who is disconnected from mainstream society. Street have the requisite links, both in the Muslim and wider local community, to enable them to make that contact. They have at this time, and in my opinion, the only project in London, and possibly nationally, that is prepared to tackle the issue of violent extremism head-on by challenging the rhetoric ter of terrorist organisations. I have found this organisation very professional under the leadership of Abdullah Baker. In the recently completed Rusi report into work of PVE in Lambeth, Street were highlighted as being the most advanced of the projects, both in terms of the product they deliver and the way in which the project is administered. Street is a vital partner in Lambeth Borough's PVE work. End of quote. Now, those who challenge street and the work of Salafi communities and accuse them, us, of being precursors to violent extremism and part of the problem. And those who say that Muslims detracted from street. The quotes that I'm going to provide now from two individuals who have served jail terms for gang violence and other things who were from the streets of Lambeth um, and Southwark and had reputations that preceded them, agreed to be interviewed to provide their perspective on street. And I'll hasten to add at this point, I mentioned it in other videos that were not related and recordings and audios that are not related to this current um, season of podcast. But had those accusations of Brixton members, of myself, been true regarding informant entities, and the like, and spying. I, and a number of other individuals that have been accused, would not be here to tell the story or narrate what is being narrated now. That's the simple facts, the long and short of that. Because of the environment we have all grown up in, in South London, pre-Islam and post-Islam. So starting with the quote of Eunice, this is a pseudonym, he stated, there are many factors that pulled us away from the gang life and violence. 
you start getting tired and you're seeing man dying. You're getting the phone calls. It's just ongoing and it makes you feel depressed. The other thing was the help that we got. Organisations such as Street, the fact that they were Muslim, I'm going to highlight that. If they were not Muslim organisations, then they would not have been able to get us how they did. Like, we never saw a Muslim organisation that would come to us, come to our estates and say, yeah, we're going to take you, take you out to lunch, we're going to take you on a trip, we're going to play football and stuff like that. There were other organisations, community centres that were ongoing, but the fact that they, street, were Muslim, this sort of helped us. We had these brothers behind us, backing us up, helping us. He continued, the first thing that the brothers from street did, they did something that was quite smart. They said, this is your centre. You lot are going to be working here. This is for you lot. It's not for us. Everything you see here is for you lot. They sort of brought us in. And then Ray Han, another pseudonym, he attested to the credibility of Street and what it received because he saw people like Eunice there. And he said, quote, when they, Eunice and some of his peers, started working there, that gave Street a seal of approval for us. To see one of us working there, your own brothers, your own generation, he's working there and you trust him. Eunice confirmed this engagement approach as well by stating, quote, and that approach, I think that was unique because you didn't have no other organisation that took man from the grassroots and say, yeah, this is for you lot. Close quote. He, he said, in conclusion, it gave them responsibility. So this is from individuals among the grassroots. And it was for reasons that they have highlighted that street being a predominantly Salafi oriented organization was successful. However, street was not just for Salafis. We had non-Muslims coming in occasionally. We had non-Salafis working with us and attending our centers from all over London and as far as Ellsbury and Luton. And this was some of the work that I'm able to give insight into regarding Salafis, Salafi communities and their program of engagement, program of participation in wider society. And while there's still a lot to be done, some communities stood up to the challenge and started looking outwardly. However, unfortunately, as I've mentioned with the internecine, internecine fighting and attention, that still continued amongst particular cultish elements. And even up until today, 2020, those cultish elements are still focused inward, inwardly and embroiled into these minor, these minor issues, these micro issues, which they've, they have elevated to being the most and foremost priorities for Salafi communities across the West today.